0: Hi Day, and welcome to our online service. If this is your first time with us, we would really like to connect with you and welcome you. And so if you have your phone nearby, one way to do that is just text Seastone Guest to 97000, and someone from our community will reach out and connect with you. And if you've been with us for a while, maybe you've been hesitant to share about your church or your faith. Hey, let's have a breakthrough moment right now and just click that share button and share the service with a friend or a loved one. All right, so I'm here to share all about our Easter festivities that are coming up. It's less than a month away. First, we'll be having our annual Good Friday service online at noon on Friday, April 2nd. This is a really somber and intimate service where Pastor Terry will be leading us in a time of worship, communion, and just a time of reflection on all that the Lord has sacrificed for us and all that Jesus sacrificed for us. So we hope that you will join us. But as it is written, we have hope and we won't stay somber for too long because on the same day, Friday, April 2nd, we'll actually be debuting our original Easter musical, As It Is Written. So we really hope that you'll join us for this. This is a perfect thing to invite your friends and your loved ones to whether it's someone who has been exploring their faith or someone who has recently walked away from their faith or just someone who hasn't heard the good news yet. So we encourage you again to invite one, two, three, more people or even consider hosting an online watch party. And speaking of watch parties, we'll actually be hosting an in-person watch party of As It Is Written on Easter Sunday, 10 a.m. at Reardon. Space is limited, so just keep an eye out for more details. And finally, we'll be having a special Easter Sunday service hosted by Pastor Terry, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. on our usual platforms. So this is one of our favorite services of the year because we really get to just enjoy and delight in and celebrate in the hope and the life of our risen Savior. So again, we encourage you to invite friends, family, loved ones, and we'll see you online on Easter Sunday. All right, that's it for our Easter festivities. So in the meantime, I will hand it over to the band for the rest of our service.
1: this time of worship with our hearts open, attentive to God, inviting him to speak, him the one whose love comes down no matter the circumstance. Let's sing together. Thank yeah. us you are God with us and we turn to you in this time
2: time. doesn't really matter what season, we're going to do it. We're going to do it in your name. We're going to do it with joy because you deserve it, Lord. Thank you, God. Good to see you guys this day. Let us enter in. Let us continue in our time together.
3: Hi there and welcome to our weekend service my name is sam mark i'm one of the associate pastors here at cornerstone sf and i'm excited to be able to have this opportunity to greet you today and as you probably know we're we're well into this new year and heading towards easter weekend and so there's a few things we wanted to let you know in advance so you can be ready and, and know what your options are for that weekend so first of all on friday april 2nd we're going to be having our traditional good friday service at noon And so this is an intimate time of worship and communion led by Pastor Terry as we reflect on Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. This will be available on all of our platforms, so on our website, on Facebook, and on YouTube. And we wanted to give you plenty of advance notice, so next time you're in the grocery store or placing an order online, you can go ahead and get your communion supplies ready for that. And then secondly, I'm very excited about this. We are going to be debuting our Easter musical, As It Is Written, on Friday, April 2nd, so on Good Friday again at 7 p.m., And if you tune in right at 7 p.m., there's going to be some special Friday night bonus features for kind of the premiere stuff. And then it'll be available on demand after that. This is the perfect thing to invite others into. If you have a loved one who hasn't yet heard the good news or someone who is exploring what faith looks like or someone who has walked away from God, this musical is designed to reach them. If you want a digital invite package, you can find that on our website. So think about who you want to send the link to or better yet, have a virtual watch party and watch with them. And then speaking of watch parties, we are going to be throwing or having a watch party of the musical on Easter Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Reardon Theater. And we're asking people to register in advance just so we can make sure we we have all the safety things in place and plenty of room to to spread out. Um, We'll be wearing masks. We're going to have the doors open just for good air circulation. Um, But we'll get to be in that theater environment to be able to watch the musical on the big screen with one another, be able to, to wave at one another greet one another on on that Easter Sunday time together. So if you'd like to join us again, please register online. And then finally, Easter Sunday, we'll also have a very special online message and service from Pastor Terry. This is always one of our favorites as we celebrate the life and hope found in our risen Savior. So consider joining us at 9 or 11, our usual service times and on the usual platform. So again, our website, Facebook, and YouTube for a special Easter Sunday celebration. And in a moment, we're going to hear from Pastor Terry sharing a message on healing. But before that, we're going to to share a special song that will lead into that theme of breakthrough by the way of healing. Enjoy.
4: And I dirty I dare not lift them up to the whole. i cool.
5: What a blessing to be able to share this time with all of you. Hey, if you're joining us for the first time, I am Pastor Terry. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone Church in San Francisco. I realize these uh, past months and even these recent weeks have still continued to be uh, a challenge for us as we are walking through what seems to be almost a a roller coaster. Right? It's just uh, hard to to live at such a time of of uncertainty. And, uh, you know, many are afraid, many are, are, are hurting and, and some are frustrated, some are angry. I don't know where you are, but I do know that the Lord's will for all of us is to have dimensions of breakthrough so that we are increasingly well. And, uh, you know, I, th- I pray that for our whole nation. I, I, I pray it for, uh, our city. I pray it for our church and I pray it for you, you know, and me, <laughs> right. It may be true that, uh, we need breakthrough in our relationships right now. It might have to do with something spiritual or something that is physical or something that we've just dropped into at a mental level or emotional level. That's just, we find ourselves at a real dip. And uh, we're not doing well. Some of us are doing okay. That's great. And uh, I know that all of us are making this journey together, though. So this teaching on breakthrough that is is going to be for us connected to uh, our examination of the life of Joseph as it's recorded in the book of Genesis. But it, it's been a narrative that we've been sitting with now in and out of, of the past year. And I think it's been so appropriate for us to do that. I mean, I'm going to forever connect this time with, uh, the account of Joseph and, um, the times that I, I we were all reminded to of the beauty of resilience and what it means to go up and over and how we are invited to contend for breakthrough and trust God even in the places that are most difficult and challenging for us, God can bring good. And we're just going to to look at that and and allow, I hope, the Lord to speak to our hearts. So let me pray real quick. Lord, even now, I ask that you would make this word come alive for us. Speak to us. We welcome you in. You know where we need it most. And I just want to say, Lord, uh, I want to be open to you, to your words and your promptings, your goodness and your grace. Lord Jesus, in your name we pray it. Amen. So I want to pick up with where we left off last week. I want to build on the narrative, sit with the moment that none of them could have seen coming. No one envisioned it. Neither Joseph nor his brothers could have imagined it, it happening. You know, all, all of them, the 10 brothers, uh, and Joseph had assumed that they would never see each other again. You know, the bro- brothers, they believed him dead, long dead. Like, <laughs> it's, you know, die, that, they, they just assumed Joseph had died uh, a pitiless death in some Egyptian slave pit. They could not undo in their mind the evil they had done. Never do that would, that would never happen. The stain. I'm sure they were convinced could never be washed away. It was a guilt unshakable, as real to them as the desert huh, setting sun. And what of Joseph? I mean, Joseph also believed that his old life was gone forever. I mean, for one, he he couldn't even go back if he wanted to. He wasn't that free. Uh, but he was no longer a slave. That is true. But he had risen to a place of, of, uh, unimaginable, uh, influence and power. Um, he was now in this new life of his managing a sophisticated economic uh, program. And he was a high, high level, second only to Pharaoh, official, um, his old life had been obliterated. The years were lost, but he was content with a family of his own. And like I said, he was responsible for the survival of countless human beings as he managed the Egyptian food supply that was now at this moment, not only feeding the Egyptian people, but also the surrounding nations, you know? You know, one could make the case, think about it this way. And I never really thought about it this way before, but one could make the case that ministries like, you know, Samaritan's Purse and compassion and the Salvation Army and myriads of other Christian organizations that are committed to, you know, food and and clean water and doing good, right. That we can make the case that they all have their roots connected to the example of Joseph. Who was raised up by God to feed the nations and help those in need, I think it's a great connection, isn't it? But Joseph also models other keys for breakthrough. And it's those other keys that I really want us to zero in on and consider implementing for, you know, our own life as we, uh, you know, transition into this, uh, space that we, we hope will bring about. A restoration of many of the things that we enjoyed prior to the pandemic. And, uh, I, I think this is a time of transition and maybe some of us, while we are in this larger transition, are also finding that there are things that are transitioning in our own life. And one of the principles that Joseph just is so good at reminding us of is that, you know, he just He just seemed to concentrate on doing God's will wherever he was. And I know, I know it's a bit of an overused saying, but he did. He, he bloomed where he was planted. It didn't matter, right? He prospered in the house of Potiphar. He prospered in the prison and he prospered in the palace. The three P's Potiphar's house, the prison and the palace, wherever he was, Joseph chose to honor God. And in so doing, he's such an example for you and me, uh, that, you know, there's no place that we ever will find ourselves that we cannot have the opportunity to honor God and grow and grow. And, um, you know, it's a, it is, it's a, it's a great reminder that that breakthrough is always going to be connected to identifying and fulfilling God's will for our lives in the now, not in the yesterday, not in the tomorrow, but in the now. Yeah. How are we at, how are we doing with that? Cause remember breakthrough is connected to identifying and fulfilling God's will for our lives in the now, not in the yesterdays, not in the tomorrows, you know, I can gain inspiration from my yesterdays. I can get inspired about the possibility of tomorrow. But the truth is the victory is won when we, when we center ourselves in his plan in the now, in the now, in this present season of our lives, that's where the breakthrough opportunity really exists. And another thing, just to put it right out there is that when the Lord is involved in our lives, even the broken places, if Joseph teaches us anything can become the golden places. And I know that sounds strange, but hear me. It was from Joseph's painful place that he would be raised up to be a deliverer. And, uh, he didn't see it. I'm confident of that. He couldn't comprehend it, but soon he would, you know, um, I mean, I think if you, if you think of it this way, Joseph, uh, clearly comprehended that God had helped him uh rise above what had been a series of disappointments and painful turns. But I don't think he conceived the larger picture of what God was trying to do or use him for. He still he still couldn't see that yet. And it's a it really is a reminder that sometimes uh, what God is up to is far more than even the blessing that we are seeing. Like sometimes we get a breakthrough and we go, oh, thank you Lord for this blessing. But what we don't realize is that that blessing is actually only a small piece of what God is trying to do in an even bigger way. Like so like, so maybe it's sometimes only the tip of what is to come. And, you know, I know sometimes we, we, we don't do it intentionally, but we can underestimate God's ability to do amazing things in our lives. And, you know, there are some things that appear hopeless and unredeemable, and we may wonder, well, how, you know, how can good ever come from them? And yet we need to walk with God, with humility before God, because sometimes he's working again in ways that, that we can't comprehend and he's bringing good. I, I think a lot of us are aware of one of the most famous verses in all the scripture, Romans 8, 28, right? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. And I love that verse and many, much life has flowed out of that verse. And so, you know, here is how I would, I would, I don't know, I guess the way I was thinking about it is I've never really, and I never really thought of it this way before, but this is how I would paraphrase Romans eight twenty eight. When we do it God's way, he will make a way. Yeah. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. When we do it God's way, he will make a way. That's Romans 8.28 in a nutshell. When we let God have his way, he will make a way. Okay, let's return to the scripture. And this uh, awesome, amazing moment of reunion. I love it. Genesis 42, when Jacob, the father learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, because remember they're in Canaan and, uh, they're realizing they don't have any food and they could all starve to death, but there's food to buy in Egypt. For some reason, the the sons didn't want to go to Egypt. And Jacob finally says, look. Why are you just sitting here looking at one another? And he said, behold, I've heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt, go down and buy grain for us there that we may live and not die. And so 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt, but Jacob did not send, look what he did not do. He did not send Benjamin who was Joseph's full brother, but also his little brother, the youngest of them all. Jacob did not send Benjamin Joseph's brother with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. And it was a risk that Jacob was unwilling to take. He, he, he couldn't be hurt like that. And, um, says "Thus the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came. For the famine was in the land of Canaan. And it says in verse six, now Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land and Joseph's brothers came and they bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Now, remember Joseph was at that moment, unrecognizable to them. For one thing, he was an Egyptian in every way. I mean, he, I joke about it. He, he walked like an Egyptian. He talked like an Egyptian and he looked like an Egyptian. And we may assume that he even now at this point uh, spoke uh, the language with precision. Um, you know, it, he was now almost 40 years of age. And the last time they had seen him, if you think about it, he was 17. He was still a young man. And they still remembered that moment, I'm sure. Heard his voice screaming, Brothers, brother, as they put as his captors, uh, who they had sold him to, put an iron collar on his neck. And that memory was seared in everybody's mind, but Joseph had matured and in every way he was different. And, you know, they wouldn't have recognized him. That was something that would have been impossible, right? They just, it just, it, it wasn't conceivable. It's sort of like when, we're not, we we just don't even envision, envision something even remotely as a possibility. It, we we just, you know, it, it the last thing they they were doing was connecting that this Egyptian was Joseph. It just <laughs> so far off of their radar. Right? That's just impossible. It didn't even come up, not even close. No, not even a, a remote feeling that it could have been the case. But for Joseph, ah. Now he recognized them. I think he recognized them immediately. They were older, but just the same. And what emotions must have rushed through him when his eyes locked upon them. And it was just like that. He was back. His memory flashing. God the anger, the, the, the longing, the, the sadness, and the pain colliding. And I, I would imagine that for a moment, he was just stunned, stunned. Look what it says in verse 7. Joseph saw his brothers, and he recognized them, but he treated them like, like strangers, and he spoke roughly to them. Where, where do you come from, he said. They said, we, we come from the land of Canaan to buy food. Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered in that moment, he remembered the dreams, the long ago dreams that he had dreamed of them. The ones with them bowing down. And the dream that even his father was offended by and had a hard time with. He didn't understand them at the time. He had been naive. He had been unthinking. He had been. really not able to understand his social EQ did not, he didn't understand how he was coming across at the time. But now all of a sudden, all these feelings and then the memory of those dreams, Uh, I was, uh, but he, he regathered himself and he said to them, you, you, you are spies. And you have come, I know what you have come for. You, you have come to s- to see the nakedness of the land. By that, he meant you have come to see the vulnerabilities that we have here. Now, listen, to be accused of spying, that was no trivial matter. I mean, people were executed for lesser crimes and the brothers, oh man, they knew it in that moment. It was a delicate moment. I mean, how do you refute a false accusation delivered in a hostile, aggressive manner without being confrontational or in any way, uh, creating a kind of, um, you know, uh, disturbance or, uh, you know, pushing back too much defensively. If you do, you run the risk of, of triggering the anger. So you're in a very tough spot, right? You have to be able to to negotiate that moment, and, and, would, and they were all caught off guard, but they were very afraid, and at the same time, they had to very, very uh, humbly make the case that this great man was—you're mistaken. You're mistaken. Please, your service. Look what it says. They said to him, "No, no, 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 my lord, no, 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 no. your servant. We, no, we have come to buy food. That's, that's all. <laughs> we are—we're the sons of one man. Yes, we're honest men." Really? We're honest men. Yes, your servants, have, we have never been spies. Uh, he said to them, no, no, it is the nakedness of the land that you have come to see. And they said, no, 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 we are your servants. We are your servants. I imagine them bowing down, I, I heads dipped there. Ah, we're your servants. Tw- we're 12 brothers. We're the sons of, of one man in, in, in the land of Canaan to the north, and, and behold, um, the youngest is this day with our father and, um, yeah, uh, one of us is no more. (laughs) Little did they know that the one that was no more was the one that was talking to them in this very moment, but Joseph said to them, it is, as I said to you, I believe you are spies by this. You shall be tested by the life of Pharaoh. You shall not go from this place unless you, your youngest brother comes here. So send one of you, let him bring your brother. If you, if what you say is true, <laughs> while you remain confined, that your words may be tested, whether there is truth in you or else by, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And he put them all together in custody for three days. But then after three days passed, he seemingly changed his mind, didn't he? I like to think he prayed and pondered and listened for God. In any case, he softened his request and he changed it a little bit. It says on the third day, Joseph said to them, do this and you will live. I love the connection between the third day and you will live. (laughs) That's something we're going to be celebrating in a couple of weeks. For Joseph says, I fear God. I honor the creator. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined where you are in custody. But the rest of you, you can go and carry grain for the famine uh, for your households. And just, oh, I, just just bring your youngest brother to me so I can verify your words that you're telling me the truth. And, and uh, you shall not die. You won't perish because of lack of food. And um, the one that you've left behind will live as well. And they did so we're told in verse 24 that it was Simeon, the second oldest, but we're told that something else happened as well. And I just find this remarkable. It says, then they said to one another, because remember there's, there's an interpreter. We, we're not, we're not really appreciating that. Joseph is speaking to them in Egyptian. It's being interpreted back and forth, right? And from their language to the language of the Egyptian is there's an interpreter who's able to. Uh, who's skilled in the languages, and so in their mind, uh, when they start talking and the interpreter's away, uh, it's just Joseph listening. They 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 don't realize that Joseph understands everything they're saying. Right? In their mind, they're just talking like you would if someone was um, who spoke another language or another country, another place. They didn't understand your language, and so they're not understanding how you're talking with one another. In their mind, they're having a free conversation, and that this this Egyptian um, leader, <laughs> crazy man, whatever, doesn't understand. And as they're talking, you can you can feel. Uh, the emotion and watch what spills out of them. They can't contain it. They say to one another, in truth, you know it's true. We're all guilty concerning our brother. That's what's going on here. You know what? We saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen to him. That's why this is happening to us. That's why this distress is coming upon us. That's what's happening here. Oh, it's what we did. It's all because run. Ruben, and Reuben joins in and, and he answered them. And he said, did I? I told you. I told you. Did I not I tell you? Don't sin against the boy. You know, but you didn't listen to me. Now. Now. Oh. There's a reckoning for the blood that is on our hands. And you look, you see what's happening. All the wounds are reopening after all these years. 22 years, it's still on their mind and they feel like they're being judged, right? I can imagine that conversation breaking out and they're just flying at one another. And, and they start to argue and blame as you, as you, right? They're going back and forth on it. And Joseph is listening. And they did not know that Joseph understood them. They, they did not know because there had been an interpreter between them. And he, he, he turned away. He, he couldn't take it. And he started to weep. You know, and again, if he was like many of them were at the time, the Egyptians, especially of that echelon, you know, you would have most likely had the, the makeup of Egypt. And I imagine that first the, the as he's listening to the words of a language he hasn't spoken for years. And as he's listening to them. The water starts to come and then soon fills and, and he can't help it and it overflows and the tears come down and he begins to weep, he, he has to get out. He begins to weep and, 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 you know, whenever I see Joseph weeping, uh, I'm reminded it's impossible. I guess not to connect it. Joseph wept. It's kind of a foreshadow of the one who wept over Jerusalem, of the one who wept over his friend, Jesus wept. I mean, the connection of deliverance and weeping, pain, the injustice. Uh, the wounding of his brothers. I mean, but back to Joseph. Joseph, he's just overwhelmed. His pain still real. His wound now uncovered. Ah, just like that. It all came back and, look, and he must've recovered. It says that he returned to them, spoke to them. Look at this. And, 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 you know, I imagine some sort of time had passed. Joseph regroups. And he took Simeon from them, take him, Bound them before their eyes. And Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to replace every man's money in his sack. They weren't aware of it. They couldn't have, oh man, that was going to also, oh, it was going to rock them. And he had And he, he put the money back in their sacks and to, and to give them provisions for the journey, this was done for them. So their, their sacks are filled with the grain, but underneath it is the, is also The money that was supposed to have been used to purchase that grain. And then it says in verse 26, then they loaded their donkeys with the grain and they left. They departed. And as one of them opened somewhere along the way, as one of them opened his, when they stopped um, at the lodging place, when someone, when one of them opened his sack to give his donkey fodder at the lodging place, he saw his money in the mouth of his sack. And he said to his brothers, my money has been put back. Oh, no, here it is in the mouth of my sack. And it says their hearts failed them and they turned trembling to one another. And they said, what what is God? What is this that God has done to us? I mean, Simeon's there. They're they're in so much trouble. And then what they they end up finding out is that all of them had their money returned. Oh, no. How how are we going to explain this? We're, now we go back. We're accused of being thieves. We can't buy food anymore. We can't get Simeon. How are we going to get a father to give Benjamin? Oh, it was a disaster. Everything about it, ah, uh, it was all falling apart. Falling apart. It was. It was. And you know, when I think of this, their question: What is this that God has done to us? The way they meant it was: I can't believe this is this is this is a disaster that God is letting befall us. But their question actually was. It was a for- fair question and it was a little bit more accurate than they realized, wasn't it? For God was involved again in their mind. How are we going to explain this to father? We can't go back. We're going to be accused of being thieves. We stole the money and, and the grain Oh, And if we, but if we don't go back, they're going to kill Simeon. And our families may starve to death. Oh, how are we going to persuade father to let Benjamin go? Oh God, why are you doing this to us? <laughs> and it was God and he was at work. and He was at work in an amazing and intricate way. You know, one of the things that stands out to me, and I just really want us to hear it is that God was, was at work at a multi-dimensional level. And what's more than that, he was working. Multi-dimensional healing, and he still does that. Like when we welcome God into certain spaces and places and relationships and family units, uh, God often heals at a multidimensional level. When you think about it, God is at work with these men. He wanted to heal them. Uh, they are carrying a load of Guilt on them. It's heavy. It's real. Um, They've been living with a lie. They've been deceiving their father. They created great pain for their father. Not to mention what they had done. I mean. It crept up. And it killed the joy. of Much of what their life was meant to be. It's true. They had learned to separate it. Compartmentalize it. We can do that. But that. That was a real thing. And God was wanting to heal them. and he would. You're going to see it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. But God was also at work with Joseph. Right? God was also going to heal him too. And you say, well, Joseph, I mean, Joseph, what, he doesn't need healing. mean, look at him. He, 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 he's come through so much. He's now the, you know, second only to Pharaoh. look at his life. He's got chariots and, and possessions and a beautiful family. Yeah, but he had a wound inside of him. Sometimes those things though, real still can't heal the hurt on the inside. And that's why people who have so much do amazingly damaging things to themselves, because there's a pain inside. that's so real and so powerful and so profound. And it, 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 it can't, it, it, the, the things that we, that, you know, oftentimes are, are purchased or the, the amount of money or even the, the admiration of people can't. Heal the wound that's deep in there. And Joseph, although boy, he, he was in so many ways, a model of how to walk through that pain because he just trusted God. He had a huge trust base and he lived as one blessed. Um, He was not defined by his wound, but rather by God at work in his life. And that trust carried the day. And yet the wound was still there and we we ought not to run past it. And God was going to heal him. He wanted to heal him. He was going to do it. And then, then we're going to see that God was also, not only was he working with the brothers going to work to heal them. He's going to work with Joseph to heal him. And he's going to work with Jacob to heal him as well. Multi-dimensional healing. Think about it. Jacob is func- He's functioning with this idea that somehow he's the one that was responsible for the death of Joseph. And it's all, it's so much of the fear of his life. He won't let Benjamin go. So much of the fear of his life is connected to that trauma of what transpired. He thinks he's the one. If and in his mind, because he believes the lie that he was told by his sons, that Joseph was killed by a wild beast in his mind, he's the one that's responsible. If only, if only, if only I had not sent him out that day, if only I had been more careful, it's right? That the, if only that haunted him and the fear that defined him, God was going to heal him. So God was simultaneously working to both deliver and grow this family into a nation and it, it was going to start with healing them. And ultimately though, that nation would be used to bring forth the, (laughs) if you think about it this way, you guys, and you know, it's true that the nation that God was about to shape and form foundationally was going to ultimately bring forth the, the greatest multidimensional healer ever, the one who would be far greater than Joseph, who would bless in a far more profound way, the nations of the world. I'm talking about Jesus. And he was going to give us through the brokenness. All right. Through all the brokenness, God would give us a healer who through his brokenness would heal the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have the everlasting, overflowing life of God. Yeah. And that's what we're going to celebrate and honor. And we're going to mark that. We're going to sit with the cross and rejoice in the resurrection. That's a little bit ahead of us, but I just want to say it. History is his story and eternity is his canvas. It really is. I have another thought I want to share before we close out, but I just want to remind everybody, I need to do this now, right? Cause we're going to have a song and then I'm going to come back around. But I want to remind everybody that, you know, this is our time of giving and, uh, you've been amazing. I, I didn't know you know that. And I just like to remind everybody that you can give as you've been doing your tithes and your offerings, you can send them in to the office. You know, that's the traditional way you can give online directly. Um, you can do what I do, give on on the app, but like I say, best thing always is, you know, give your heart. But, uh, all right, here we go, and I'll come back around.
1: Everything fell to pieces when my eyes met yours in that hospital gown. We once were dreaming When we held so close Felt impossible now and all the plans We held for the future And all the memories Up from the past The world that I once knew Was in a cardboard box In the lobby Lost and found Be.
6: When the phone rings
1: Maybe it's your joy That's given me strength
5: Hallelujah is the song pain can't destroy. Oh, that was true for Joseph. And it's, it's, a promise for us too. He is our joy invincible. <laughs> How good is that? You know, the Lord is a multi-dimensional healer and he wants to heal us at every level. Remember to settle for nothing short of the inheritance we've been given in Christ Jesus, don't ever, Lord, let us close ourselves off from your healing touch. Let us to stay open all the days of our lives. And then by your grace, Lord, not only may we experience dimensions of healing at every level in our spirit in our soul, even in our bodies and minds, but may we also by your grace, be wounded healers in your name, may we be Blessers and healers in Jesus name. Because remember, he's so good and he's so God, and he wants us to so good and so God. Ah, never forget how greatly loved you are. And may we have a fantastic uh, day, week, coming months. And yes, Easter and beyond. That's my prayer and blessing to you, in Jesus' name.
7: Hey, Cornerstone, it's all things Easter in these announcements. And with that, on April 2nd, which is our Good Friday, we have two amazing things that Cornerstone will be doing. We'll be having at 12 p.m. our Good Friday service. And this will be led by Pastor Terry. It's just a great way to get our hearts and minds ready for what (laughs) the meaning is of Easter. The other thing is we are going to be kicking off our Easter musical as it is written. And this is a great opportunity to share and invite friends to come and join you to watch this. And also we'll be having a watch party and that's gonna be happening on Easter Sunday at 10 AM. And that's at the Reardon campus. The other thing that's happening on Easter is at nine and 11, we'll be having a special Easter message from Pastor Terry. So make sure that you mark your calendars and we hope to see you there. Okay, oh, you're already saying bye? I couldn't get you to wave last time and now you're already saying bye. Bye.
1: Everything fell to pieces when my eyes met yours in that hospital gown. And the dreams we once were dreaming when we held so close felt impossible now. And all the plans we held for the future. And all the memories up from. that I once knew was in a cardboard box in the lobby, lost and found.